Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. And hello, friends. I'm Ra, and today I am joined with Erica L. Sanchez. She is the author of I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, a poetry collection titled Lessons on Expulsion, and now a memoir titled Crying in the Bathroom that ripped my heart to shreds in all the best ways possible. Um, So thank you so much for being here today, Erica. Thank you. I'm honored. Ah, yes. Um, you know, I should be honored because I am, as I'm like hugging your book. <laughs> um, so I want to start off this interview with a question that we typically ask many of our guests that come on to our podcast. How do you define feminism? Oof. <laughs> well, um, okay, let me try. Like, I like to start heavy. <laughs> ah, wow. Came in with guns a-blazing. I think of feminism as as intersectional, of course. So it's not just um, about gender. It's also about class. It's about race. And so it's it's for the liberation of, I think, people who don't identify as male. Um, and I feel like feminism is the only way to become a more just society. And I believe that, you know, everyone on this earth matters and everyone should be treated with dignity. And so that to me is feminism. Um, Letting people have choices, letting people have uh, a life in which they can thrive. And uh, we're so far from that, that it really, upsets me, but I I strive for that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, I really wanted to ask this just because I know that you mentioned in your book that you had no interest in being the perfect feminist role model. And I loved that because none of us should strive to be that perfect feminist role model. I'm so sorry. I'm so nervous that I just blanked out. I, I got too excited and I'm like, oh shoot, how do I even segue into the next area after that heavy question? Cause now I'm going to go writer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love your definition. It's great. Movie God. So our stories matter despite what the rest of society would like us to believe. Why was it important to share your story and why is it so important for us to share our stories? Because it's something that I'm harping on daily. Like we need to tell more of our own stories. Yeah, I think it's important that many different kinds of people have their stories in mainstream media, in all places in society, because, I mean, we're so diverse in this country, you know, there's so many of us who are not like a white guy. And so why aren't we given that platform? Um, I'm really tired of that. And so Mm -hmm. I felt with with my first two books and with this one, I'm trying to really break some barriers in in terms of representation because I know, I know from experience that I'm not the only brown girl who's experienced such things. Like I, I encounter so many people who 
um, really connected to Mexican daughter and who are now connecting to this book. And, you know, I, I see how much it, it matters to people. And I think everyone just wants to feel important. You know, everyone wants to feel like they're seen and that they're, that they have choices. And so like, for me writing my story, I want young women or old women, whoever, I mean, whoever <laughs> this book, I don't really care. Um, I, I want them to feel like they, you know, have the ability to carve their own path, even if it's hard, even if it's terrible, like we, we have to, to try to make this world better and to try to make it more, you know, um, comfortable for us while we're here, you know, and future generations, not, not, not just the future, but, but the present. And so it's, it's something that I feel really strongly about. And I think all stories need to be included. And I love reading about people who aren't like me. I don't understand what the hesitation is, honestly. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you do talk a lot about representation. And I know that like, I'm not your Mexican daughter would have meant so much to me as like a younger person. Like, I wish I had that book when I was 16, it would have made my world expand just a little bit more. And as a 29 year old crying in the bathroom, I felt like as a Mexican person that I was able to relate with that. And it's just feels like something that soothes the inner child. So in writing this, like how much would have that have meant to you? Like say younger Erica? Oh goodness. It would have meant everything to me. You know, this, the little glimpses that I got were so exciting when I read Sandra Cisneros or Ana Castillo or, you know, um, now I'm drawing blanks because I didn't really have access to many people. I, I feel like that just would have opened up so many different possibilities for me. And I would have felt like I really mattered because no one made me feel that way. And so um, I, I, I write, for many different reasons, but one of them is to heal my my inner child, my Julia, you know, mm-hmm. inside me. And it's writing these books have it's it's given me so much, you know, it's it's made me realize a lot. It's made me connect with people who are very similar. Mm-hmm. And um, I never imagined it could be this way. Yeah, it's like a community was hiding where you didn't even see it. like yeah they're just hiding from you and now that they're all coming out and coming towards you and just sprinting <laughs> yeah, I was so alone for so long I feel like such a weirdo loser you know <laughs> yeah yeah and it I feel like I I'm sure there's so many like I'm gonna say of us um there's so many of us that are just like okay like at least there's one person like me I'm sure I can go find the others <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it opens up a, a world hopefully I mean I want mm-hmm. there to be so many books like that that you know I don't want to be the only one that's fucking weird you know yeah <laughs> yeah you do not need to be the person holding holding the weight of all of all of that um <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, in your writing, you're just so bold. You did not shy away from any subjects. You went, you went through it all from sex, dating, your body image, race, toxic relationships, religion. 
Why was it so important to you to stay true in those topics when you're talking about it? And was there anything that you wanted to shy away from or held any reservations? Yeah, I mean, the only way I know how to write is, is to be extremely vulnerable and to go to the places that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to do it any other way, to be quite honest. And so it's it's all or nothing. And, you know, there were topics that I didn't write about for different reasons. Some didn't make it into the book because I didn't feel like they belonged. They weren't really linked. Um, or obviously I can't write about every single thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Because there's so much more. People are like, you wrote your whole life. I'm like, not really, actually. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. People are like, what about your ex-husband? He doesn't really make much of an appearance. I was like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't matter that much. We're past that. (laughs) It's like, you don't want to know. It's not that good. (laughs) Unimportant. And... As we're going through the book, there's a statement that like really sticks with me and it kind of brought the whole book together to me. I'm just going to read the line. For many years, I held onto the guilt of not being the daughter my mother would have wanted. But now I see that I have done similar things. I have a deeper appreciation for her. I empathize with all that she's been through, but I also understand that my mother's trauma is not for me to carry anymore. It's such a big statement on generational trauma and holding on to what is not yours. And I know that there's so many people that just continue to hang on to it and don't know how to let it go. How do you believe like those experiences and holding on to that affected you? And how do you work on letting go of your mother's trauma? Yeah, it's so hard. It's been a lifelong struggle. Um, I think a lot of children of immigrants feel very guilty for all the sacrifices that our parents made for, you know, um, the hard work and, you know, seeing our parents suffer and be exploited, that's really tough, you know, that's pretty traumatizing. And I, I struggled with that for a long time, just carrying this guilt of, of not meeting my mother's expectations of disappointing her um, because I wasn't what she expected. Mm-hmm. And I think so many daughters in particular have had these kinds of relationships with their immigrant mothers. And um, part of what has helped me cope was, is writing, you know, writing through it, trying to understand it, trying to get to the root of it all. And also therapy. I am a big proponent of therapy. I have a Latina therapist right now who is amazing, who like really gets to the heart of things because she understands the context. And I think that's been so helpful to me. But yeah, it's like this ongoing process because, you know, there are times that I I still feel bad, you know, I still feel like, you know, I wish my mother were happier and had a better situation. But, But what can I do? You know, I could only do so much and so it's it's this it's it's a lot of inner work and a lot of it is motivated now by my daughter because I don't want to pass that down because I you know that's not really how I want her to live I don't want her to feel traumatized by my trauma you know Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's just work that's all (laughs) it is a lot of work (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm like, how, how old's your daughter again? You had her in 2020. Mm-hmm. So she's banking on two. Almost. Well, she's 18 months at the moment and she is such a force. Yeah. Good God. She has such a spirit. I just, I didn't realize it would be this way. She just came out with the personality and um, I just really love being her mom. She's really extraordinary to me. Do you see a lot of yourself in her so far? Yeah. And and I see her dad a lot physically. um, I mean, she's, she's also a jokester. I'm, I too am a jokester, but my husband is, is, is he's he's funnier I'll just admit Uh, (laughs) he was a comedian he's just very funny um and so it's just beautiful to be able to see like our our good traits Mm -hmm. flourishing I pray that she doesn't inherit like my brain chemistry I, I pray that she doesn't you know have the same kinds of obstacles that I do I'm doing my best to make mm-hmm. her feel happy and healthy and feel really good about herself, which so far she, she really does. She really yeah. has like this confidence that I didn't know that a toddler can have. Yeah. And you ended your whole book with the letter to her. What, how did it feel writing that? Like just to finish it, you know, like, was that yeah. just a tie it up or like, how, how did that feel? I wanted her to feel like a part of the book and I wanted Mm -hmm. her to read the ending as like a sort of love letter to her and um, for her to understand what I want for her ultimately in life and it's a very different experience than I had as a girl you know yeah she's just like the most important person now so I felt like I had to say something to her and I I hope that she loves that you know I hope that she feels like she matters that she she's loved that that I I wanted her that um I think about her all the time you know yeah oh I love that and it's okay yeah (laughs) I there's something that I just wanted to keep joking about because there's a part of the book where you talk about almost like Mexican family dynamics. Um, and it's something that I never really understood as a child growing up in like small town, Minnesota. Um, uh-huh. like my immigrant family lived in small town, Minnesota. So mm-hmm. I was, would always see like my family dynamics and compare them to other family dynamics. And I never really understood it, but the conversations that you have with your brothers, there's one that just consistently sticks out to me. And I laugh about it almost every single day, but it's the fact that greyhounds look racist. <laughs> um, and at our office, we have an office greyhound and I stare right? at him every day and I'm like, Rudy, you look, you look racist. Like I need you to go away, but I love him so much. <laughs> they just look judgmental. Like they do. They, they, they look haughty to me. Like they think they're better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was my brother who came up with that. He just sent us all a text like greyhounds are racist. I was like, what are you talking about? You're nuts. And he just sent a picture. And I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah. It's, it's something that just cracked me up and I'm like, Oh, I feel like this is something my uncle would send me. And 
like no one else would be allowed to send that to me and no one else would really understand it if I just like sent it to someone out of the blue. So it felt very <laughs> at home to me uh, when I was reading that. But yeah. Um, how did you land on the title crying in the bathroom? I felt it was universal. Like who hasn't done that shit, right? <laughs> It, it really encapsulates so much of the story. Like I'm crying in the bathroom when I'm a teenager. I'm crying in the bathroom when I'm a little kid trying to uh, suppress my laughter. You know, I'm crying in the bathroom as an adult with a terrible job. And so it just, it keeps recurring throughout the narrative. And I felt like it's kind of a funny image, you know? Like it's so bathroom. <laughs> I don't think it's pathetic though. I cry everywhere. Um, as for people who have big feelings, I think it's okay. Uh, it's like, go cry on the park bench. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done that too. Believe me, people have come by like strangers. Like, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Yes. Um, I've done therapy sessions walking around the park and would, would be screaming and people would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm crying. Leave me alone. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, didn't have a private place to go. So I'm walking around in the park on my therapy call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so do you, do you have anything planned next for you? Now that you have your two books, your poetry collection, new mother? What now? Yeah. Well, I um, started a podcast with my brothers and my husband called No Chingis. And it's very silly. Uh, we, we talk about white supremacy and how stupid it is. And it's just a good time. So if you're ever feeling lonely on a drive, like maybe try it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> white supremacy is very stupid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we just go on and on about, you know, the lies that we've been told for so long. Mm -hmm. um, and and we, we make fun of white supremacy because what else are we to do? You know, like th this is terrible. Either that or like cry in a closet. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's like either yell about it, cry, or assimilate. Those are your three three options. <laughs> I, I'm never not going to be mad about it. It's just th that's a part of who I am. So yes. that's really fun. There's a movie for I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter in the works. And I can't really give much of an update because, you know, secrets. Yeah. secrets and it's just it's it's a a world that is um that fluctuates that is you know really mm -hmm. tough to navigate but um I'm, I'm i'm very excited regardless um and then i am working on a children's book for my daughter and what else am i doing poetry i'm writing some poems hopefully that becomes a book i'm very slow so it might take me like several more years to finish it but um it's it's something that is in the works i mean there's always time and uh the movie is america america for us uh -huh. oh my goodness um, she's, amazing. she's wonderful the script is beautiful it's so uh, good i cannot like, wait Latina's getting shit done you know like yeah oh like just like just leave us alone. We'll we'll do it. We'll <laughs> you know, it's like America. When I saw that she was directing it, I was like, "Oh, this feels so good." Because like, just 
I remember the first time I saw her on like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. And yeah. I was like, I'm like her. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. With, um, real women have curves. I was like, oh, wow, someone like me on yeah. a screen. It just changed everything. And so it's, it's so interesting. It's come full circle, you know, and I love it. And it's so cool that you're working with her for this movie. And I'm so excited to see it on screen. I'm so excited to tell everyone to pick up a copy of Crying in the Bathroom. Thank you. Because, yeah, ultimately it just feels perfect for any Latina that just is having issues with their identity. And Mm -hmm. it just feels like a love letter. And I want to thank you for putting this out there. Thank Um, you. Yeah, I've received so much love so far from so many people, but especially Latinas who are like really craving something like this. We've Mm -hmm. been waiting for some shit for a long time. (laughs) Um, I don't know. People are finally getting uh, the memo that we buy books and that we watch movies and that we want to see ourselves on TV, you know, (laughs) like took a long time, but (laughs) oh goodness. And then is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with uh, before we wrap up here? You know, I think the advice that I always give my students is be your own friend. Because I think oftentimes we're not taught that. And um, it could just really help us in our, in our journey. And so befriend yourself, go on a date with yourself and, you know, go have some dinner. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I also, I also love that. I agree with that. Um, But sometimes it's hard to be your own friend, but we got to get over that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like getting over the anxiety to take yourself out. Like, it's like I don't want to be that person sitting by themselves like when you travel it's like what else are you gonna do not eat you know (laughs) uh no you go sit in the bathroom and you eat by yourself (laughs) that's another book eating in the bathroom oof (laughs) Uh, it's like stay tuned eating in the bathroom by Erica L. (laughs) Santos all right well um and if anyone wants to find you where should they look Twitter, Erica L. Sanchez, and Instagram, Erica L. Sanchez, and not Facebook, because they're evil. Fuck Facebook. Fuck (laughs) those guys. We don't need them. And also, don't buy your book from Amazon. (laughs) Please please go to bookshop.org or your local bookstore. Like, don't give those motherfuckers your money. Do you have any bookstore that you want to shout out? Women and Children First. Uh, Chicago. They're amazing. I love them. And then Books Are Magic. I just did an event yesterday with them. So um, they're wonderful. And um, I mean, there's so many across the country. It's it's really amazing. And people are so passionate about the books. You know, when you mm-hmm. go and you go to a bookstore and you ask about books, like they know what the fuck they're talking about. I, I love it. Oh, wow. Great. We'll send people there. We'll have links in the show notes. Um, Yeah. And thank you again so much for being here today. Apologies for my nervousness. Um, No, you were very sweet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay. I won't be. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. um, And I look forward to what's next. And listeners, Crying in the Bathroom is available now. And I personally believe it's a memoir that you should not miss out on. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you.
Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Feminist Book Club's weekly newsletter, Beyond the Box. Did you know Feminist Book Club publishes upwards of five blog articles and two podcast episodes every week? Our diverse crew of contributors share their unique experiences on hot new books, older titles that may have flown under the radar, social justice issues that are bubbling up online and offline, pop culture topics with a feminist lens, and so much more. No need to check back every single day. We've now compiled all our content in a weekly newsletter that we send every Friday. What a great way to spend a Friday at lunch. We call it Beyond the Box. You can sign up with the link in the show notes or in the sidebar of our blog. Please note this is a separate email list than our marketing list, and you do need to opt in. Joining Beyond the Box list does not subscribe you to our marketing list. We only send one Beyond the Box email a week. So find that link in our show notes or again in our blog sidebar to get all our content emailed directly to you every Friday.